Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast. My name is Jenny Helms, and I'm an emotional eating coach and marriage and family therapist. I help people address the roots of their disordered eating and body image issues. I'm Lisa Perkins, owner of Primal Transformations. I'm a certified personal trainer and precision nutrition coach. I use a paleo framework to help clients transform their health, body, and life. The Mind Your Body podcast is all about empowering you to live your best life. We aim to grow a community of empowered women who are ready to transform their health and lives using a real approach that is all about getting back in touch with ourselves and not fueled by self-loathing. This journey requires a healthy dose of humor, perspective, and self-compassion. Our goal for this podcast is to help you achieve sustainable results that you get to keep. Please remember, the following podcast is not intended to be a substitute or implied to be medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare provider when making changes to your diet and lifestyle. Welcome to the show. This is the Mind Your Body podcast, episode number 29, how the quest for perfection is sabotaging your life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited (laughs) to talk about this. It's kind of funny. When I was driving over here today, I was thinking this is so perfect because I was running a little bit late. I didn't have all the show notes laid out. You know, we hadn't really talked about this in advance. And I thought, okay, if I was trying to be perfect, I wouldn't even be going to record this. I would have said, oh, let's do this another day. Yes. And would have put this off when we really have some valuable talking points that I think can really help people start to make progress like today. And And we wouldn't have done it. Right, right. And we were mired in (laughs) the need for it to all be perfectly laid out, all the bullet points. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think this is a super, super important topic. Um, You know, the way this came up for me, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, is that I've started working with a few clients recently who have had just recent experiences with uh, diet plans, calories and macros and that kind of thing that while they had some quote unquote success with those approaches, they're now having to do the work all over again. Mm -hmm. And they are so gun shy of that sense of restriction and Mm -hmm. failure and shame, right? Mm -hmm. Or perceived failure. Let me correct myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we want to offer you some self-experiments to do to help if, you know, I think perfection is kind of a social norm. Yeah. The quest for perfection, right? It is. It is. It's, it's a social norm. And we also have to acknowledge that our brain is wired to create very clear categories in our brain and to separate things into like black and white yes. and all or nothing. Yes. And so that's our default mode of our brain. However, we totally can work against that too. Yeah. Not work against it necessarily, but we can rewire our brain to be what they call more integrated, where yeah. it means you have more options. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes more energy. It does. It does. It yeah. does take more energy. And really, like everything we talk about on this podcast, this is about taking your power back and kind of putting those horse blinders on to what's working for other people or seems to be working. Yes. Right? It There is a sense of certainty and comfort that comes from getting a meal plan or getting a diet plan and you decide, okay, I can either follow this or not follow it. Mm-hmm. But there's no nuance. There's no in-between. There's no customizing it for your preferences or schedule or actual life. 
Right. 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 And and perfectionism is not attainable for any of us ever, like with any meal plan or life plan that we create, business plan. Um, and even if we do, I might say that might be a form of rigidity. Well, that's that you what I was going to say. That, um, that even I, if you do, yeah, yeah. even if you do, um, yeah. that might be its own issue too. But I think we're kind of speaking more to people that feel like, and maybe to both sides to a certain mm-hmm. extent, because it is a relationship you have with yourself. But we were thinking about the ways in which even in our own lives, we've set out these crazy plans, whether it was for food and nutrition or business stuff or relationship stuff mm-hmm. that we wanted to work on. Um, and they were so extreme. And, and at some point in them, we failed because that was inevitable that we would. Mm-hmm. And again, I think the quote unquote failure, because I think that's that's part of the process. The growing well, it process. is pass fail. Yeah. And when it's when the only win is if it's perfect. Right. That makes it pretty stark, right? That's so true. Well, and that leads us to shame, which again, I I mean, I know I've talked about this probably a million times, but when we spiral into shame, we start to build that narrative that I'm just a failure. This is who I am. I'm Mm -hmm. a person who can't do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that keeps us stuck in its own way too. But I think even more importantly, I think we were talking about the cultural nuances Mm -hmm. of how, like, why do we even strive for for perfection in the first place? Why not like good enough or even like 10% better, right. right? It's so interesting that all of us find, you know, the, their perfection so sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even when we talked about it further, I think it's that idea of certainty mm-hmm. and the safety and mm-hmm. the, like the, the coherentness of perfection, right? I think that's what kind of attracts people. They well, feel like let's, it's, let's take you know, it as an example of what you're saying. Let's say I give you a meal plan with certain macros and certain calories. Mm-hmm. You log your food, you weigh your food, you mm-hmm. log it down to the half gram mm-hmm. in my fitness pal. Well, your sense is if you are right on target, you will get the result that I promised you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there's when yeah. absolutely no one can tell you what your body is going to do. Right? I yeah. I don't know where your metabolism is, I don't know your activity level, your sleep, your thyroid status, mm-hmm. you know, your gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. Right? I no one can know that, but that's why we want to follow those plans is because okay, if this then that. Yeah. That's how it feels to our nervous system and our nervous system is always trying to avoid friction. Yes. And fear, right? Yeah. We fear of the unknown drives so many of our choices, right? And so that's where self-sabotage comes in. If we are not sure that we are going to be successful on any endeavor, right? right then gosh, why not go ahead and fail quickly? Yeah. Right. Or come up with all the reasons why it or not even work start. for you. Yeah. Right. Not even start. You know, <laughs> right. we, we were talking about how, you know, it would be, it, it makes so much more logical sense to lay out, okay, let's say for the week ahead, what are two small improvements that I could make to my movement, to my eating habits to my sleep schedule, right? Mm -hmm. What are two small improvements that if I'm honest in the privacy of my own head are realistic Mm -hmm. for me, right? Mm -hmm. It would make so much more sense to, gosh, over the course of a year, if you could literally add two tiny changes a week times 52 weeks, can you imagine how different your life would be if we did that? 
But again, we undervalue the small incremental changes that we're willing to do and able to keep up with. And we overvalue these all in grandiose plans that if we're honest, we've never been able to stick to because we're not on sabbatical. Right. (laughs) Right. We have an actual real life. Right. And we have to make we have to make way for energy that we put towards other areas of our life too. Right. And I think people, it's like they create these plans and they magically like, don't remember that you're putting energy in all these other areas of your life. And then Mm -hmm. you're expecting to like drastically change this one area. Right. Without considering how that's going to impact all the other areas or your energy level. But again, but, but I think, I think that is what keeps us from starting to make a change because you know, Or it's the excuse that happens. And I'm saying excuse with parentheses, but like it's the thing that we tell ourselves a month in when it's too hard because guess what? Life happens. It is because the way you you fluctuated your energy was too much too soon. Right, exactly. And it is sitting in the soup of nuance and friction to say, okay, if I'm honest with myself, this all-in plan is not sustainable. Right. In my life, whether it's actually not sustainable or we're just not up for it. Yeah. Right. This just doesn't feel good. We want to be able to have a cookie or a glass of wine every once in a while. Right. Right. And instead of saying, okay, I'm just going to slow down my expectations for outcomes and, you know, allow room for a little bit of indulgence here and there. Instead, what we tend to do is chuck it all in and say, I'll get back to this when life calms down. Right. Well, Let me life know just, happens. I know life just <laughs> isn't going to calm down. And I'll tell you, even if it calms down externally, say, even if it does, <laughs> right? Even yeah. if it calms down externally, we get into a pattern and a habit of feeling like our life is chaotic. Right. Even when it isn't maybe from objective standards. Yes. Chaotic. Yes. And I, well, and And I'm guilty of this a hundred percent in my past. So this is not me again, preaching from on high for sure. Yeah. And even, you know, you had described a client that was struggling with knowing what to do with their free time. And even in my own experience, I remember summers, you know, way before, you know, eating disorder stuff or whatever, like in my life where I remember being a kid even and the summer of not being in school mm-hmm. was overwhelming. Not having structure. Right, not yes. having that structure. Mm-hmm. I didn't For know sure. what to do with it. And yeah. I would create these elaborate, perfect like plans of how it's going to transform my life or transform my diet or transform, you know, I don't even know. I was just always into like right. changing myself for some reason. Um, that was the seven in me, I guess. But yeah, it would be this interesting thing. And it, I had the time to do it. And mm-hmm. even then, mm-hmm. I, there would be things that, you know, again, it wouldn't be perfect. And I would go into shame and depression and right. self-sabotage. Right. And so right. this idea that it's about the external stuff going on mm-hmm. is completely bogus. Well, it, it is. And we do tend to manufacture internal drama inside our own heads. And that's yeah. where I... You know, for myself, I have just improved my daily existence so much more by, you know, having some sense of humor, but being willing to get better perspective on what I'm going through, like differentiating in my own life between something that is truly difficult, a difficult circumstance versus when things are inconvenient 
in my life or annoying. Yeah. You know, something is has thrown my schedule off a little bit. And we can allow those small inconveniences to feel really dramatic inside our head. Whenever anything is feeling dramatic, we couldn't possibly be expected to hold ourselves to that standard, right? right? That's when we chuck it all in and say, oh, I can't even. Right. I well, just can't even. Well, and I get curious about how we create stories, right? Because that would be us creating sure. a story around what something means. And there's, you know, again, if you want to go deeper into this with like coaching work or therapy, I think it's important that we ask ourselves, if we catch ourselves in that drama, what, how is this story serving me? That's, like, that's really good. Yeah, and, and how is this actually We'll link back to, to our me? podcast that we did, the exercises on kind of getting clear on your own narratives inside your head. That was a powerful one. That's been really helpful for a lot of my clients. Yeah. So we'll link back back to that one to help you kind of get clear. And none of this is about calling yourself out, right? Yeah. Well, I would say I've had to call myself out. But it's not, right. But it's not (laughs) about like calling yourself into the principal's office. But to me, it's not shaming yourself. Not shaming yourself. It's not about shame. It's more about that like Kind of That's funny. interesting. Yeah, it's, it's kind like, of it's funny, actually. Interesting. I created that story. Yes. And like, and and I sometimes I frame it with my clients. I'm like, you are very creative, right? Because we are. Like, our ability to create these stories is right. using our imagination, For and sure. it's like. Let's use that in other areas of your life where that's going to benefit you versus hurt you. That's really good. So it's a beautiful skill that you have. But let's apply it to something that's else. That's it. This is our whole podcast is about helping you get to know yourself and know your patterns so you can get back on your own team and stay there, Yeah. right? And, you know, you referenced the idea of a trust jar, like with marbles. And this really is about filling up your trust jar with yourself. And that doesn't happen in the grand sweeping changes. Right. We start to build trust in the small choices where no one's looking and it really doesn't have a huge impact. You know, I was mentioning as I was driving over here today to record this podcast that I passed Sonic mm-hmm. and I, you know, they have a big sign advertising their happy hour specials from two to 4 PM. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if I were in the habit of doing that, it would feel like a no big deal choice to either go or not go. Right. What yeah. can one drink? Right. You know, one sonic, drink. one sonic drink. Mm-hmm. What could that really matter? But it, that's how we start to build trust and integrity with ourselves. Because if we're honest, we know that that 32 ounces of whatever colored sugar water that is, isn't likely. I love watching your face as you describe this. I, I wish it, people like, could actually yeah. see your face. You know, it, <laughs> you're like, whatever. It's science experiment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, again, you're, you're not wrong. It's just funny. Cause I think we're just so disassociated from the fact that we're constantly putting science experiments into our bodies. Yeah, in for real, ways. for real. And <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but in that yeah. small moment, say you are in the habit of doing that, deciding not to do it can feel really disappointing inside our head because we're not going to get a trophy. Yeah. You're not going to get an immediate reward for doing that. And you're also not going to get an immediate penalty for doing it. Right. Right. It's very, yeah, it's, it doesn't, you see what I'm saying? Right. it doesn't it's feel no, very consequential either way. Right. 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 And it's not like, okay, I'm either on plan or off a plan because I'm not on a plan. So right. what would be the benefit to me of depriving myself of this, little joy, this yeah, little indulgence. Yeah, if it's inconsequential. Right? right, right. 
But if you can think about it as that marble trust jar with yourself to say, oh my gosh, this is an example of me staying on my own team and loving myself. This isn't about depriving myself. This is about me loving myself. Yeah. Right. You know, I know for myself, you know, with a history of anxiety and depression and joint pain and inflammation, having 32 ounces of sugar would taste delicious. My dopamine receptors would really enjoy that for a while. Mm-hmm. I seriously, yeah. I, you know, my brain wants sugar just like everyone else's does. But, you know, that would not serve me this yeah. evening. It would trigger sugar cravings. It would make the real food I have in my refrigerator totally unappealing, mm-hmm. right? It would just make me want more sugar. Yeah. So it would have a cascade of ramifications. It's not an isolated choice. Plus, it's going to make it so much harder for me to not go to Sonic tomorrow. Yeah. It's like me kind of, I, I'm not going to swear, but um, not being nice to my tomorrow self. Yeah. Right? And that's how I think about it. And that's not a gift to me versus... You shouldn't have that because that's bad. Yeah. It's not about being good or bad. It's, that's not, it's what's that's gonna not a gift to me. You. Yeah. It's what's going to nourish. I like the thinking of it as nourishment. Totally. Because it's not, it's not about judgment. It's like, no, I really genuinely want to put things into my body that are going to nourish me. Right. And if I don't at that moment, if I don't make that choice, mm-hmm. how, you know, going back to the perfection thing, you know, how how can I approach my next choice in a different way that's not going to let that choice derail the rest well, see, of my that's day? So you know, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. You know, we've talked in other podcasts about, you know, it's one choice to the next choice to the next choice. Yep. What the choice that you, whether or not you got the sonic drink really should not impact what you have for dinner. Yeah. Right. But, but again, we're kind of taught to believe, well, I've already messed up today you know, screw it. I'll get back to this tomorrow. I've already messed up. Let's just go have pizza and whatever for the rest of the day. And again, like if, if you have kids, if you think about them holding themselves to that metric of decision-making, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like you never do that. (laughs) Objectively, that would be so obvious. Okay. Well, I already broke one of mom's vases. Okay. Whatever. I'm not, you know, yeah. Well, and I, well, I, I kind of want to go into what you helped me connect the dots on towards the end of when we were talking about this before we started the recording, like we typically do, where you thought of it as a relationship, right? Because, you know, and we were just talking about how, you know, I'll, I'll just share my own story. I, in relationships, I have a tendency, not in all of them, but in a lot of them, I've had a tendency of when it gets hard, I get out of it. Like, and that would have been my nervous system and my ego kind of being like, this isn't perfect and it's not serving me. And so, and it doesn't feel safe. Right. And I Mm -hmm. I struggled with what the term called commitment. And that's something that I've worked on in my own interpersonal life. And that's something I've had to work. Yeah. Just work on for myself. But I was talking about that with you and you're like, this is exactly what we're talking about where, you know, you wouldn't. It's funny how we do this with food, even though we do have a relationship with food and how we like commit to ourselves and how we commit to um, sticking out things, even when they're not going well, right? We don't just give it up and say, screw it. Like we would for, you know, perfection, extreme diets that we go on and then we say, screw it and move on to the next thing. There's something really beautiful at being committed to this process and saying, I'm okay with it being imperfect because it's not going to be perfect. And that's part of commitment. And part of commitment is also not looking at all those different 
alternatives out there, real or imagined, right? Whether that's when we're talking about humans, whether that's people or imagined relationships that are going to be so much better and less stressful, you know, this is about committing to this. And I think that the commitment part is what people don't like. They see commitment differently. They have a different definition of it. Um, but yeah, I think that's, what's missing for a lot of people and perfectionists, because even for myself, yeah. I would struggle to stay in a relationship that, you know, wasn't right. perfect enough. Yeah, you always that have kind of for me. one foot in one foot out. And yes. that's where people who are trying like these ultra extreme approaches, you know, yeah. keto or, you know, but then, okay, well that's not working for me. So I'm going to do a bunch of research on carb cycling or intermittent fasting or some other thing. And then you're just kind of plan hopping. It's the same thing. Instead of just saying, you know what? I need to focus on the Lisa diet. Mm -hmm. What actually works for me? Like listen to my body. My body is sending me signals all the time. Yeah. Like I'm going to pay attention to the foods that are really working for me. And I know what working means. Yes that they don't cause my blood sugar to go through the roof, that I'm not hungry an hour later, or they don't make my gut feel like it's turning. Right. Right. So that's me tuning in. But like you say, it's being willing to commit to ourselves and to our long-term health. Yes. As long as we are viewing food the way that we're eating as a diet, we're either on a diet or it's off the record. It's whatever. Right. As long as you're doing that, then Yeah, you're You're going to stay stuck and you're not going to ever fill that marble jar of trust. Your body isn't going to trust you. And you've taught me this, Jenny, that binging or overeating is almost always a direct result of either over-restriction, actual Mm over-restriction, or a sense of impending restriction. Yes. So if you have decided, okay, I'm going to start this restrictive plan on Monday or on July 1st, well... What happens between now and then, your nervous system is going to view that as, I better get while the getting's good. Yep. Yep. And that's, you know, you hear people, they're like, well, it's a Saturday or Sunday before I start this. And they just like go to town. But but I mean, that's real because our body, our brain is trying to protect us. Our evolutionary biological drive is for survival. Yeah. Right. And so if our body doesn't trust us, our nervous system doesn't trust us because oh my gosh, here comes the next famine. Mm -hmm. You don't care about food quality. You don't care about nourishing yourself. Your brain is going to be seeking the most calorie-dense foods possible. Right. And I think people think, well, we're smarter than that. Like, we should know better. I'm like, no. Our subconscious brain drives us. Two words. Thanks. Well, it's one word, actually. Thanksgiving. (laughs) That is like like the biggest, like, cultural binge that we all go on. We know we can get turkey and cranberry and freaking whatever pie most days out of the year, except for maybe, like, your grandma's homemade pie. Maybe not. But, like, all the other stuff, we know we can, like, literally go and get that from Walmart right. or another store the next day if we really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But somewhere in our brains, culturally, right. we agreed we're going to like pretend like right. there's no more turkey out there. And well, and that's where that's where we have to completely start from scratch rebuilding trust with ourselves because until our nervous system truly trusts us, yes. it's going to be so mad to sub out the steamed veggies for the french fries. True. Right? We are going to feel so robbed and so cheated. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was talking to a client yesterday about, you know, they had gone to a restaurant and this is a place where they normally get 
I guess they have really great burgers and they make their own homemade tomato or potato chips. And instead of asking for veggies instead of chips, they decided to get chef salads. Well, I told her, I said that, and she said they really enjoyed it. It all ended well. It was like a good story. But I said, what I want you to remember is just because you got the chef salad this time, mm-hmm. tell your nervous system, you don't always have to choose the chef salad. There's about a hundred different options yeah. in there. For example, you could go, you could each get the burger and split a serving of chips. You could each get the burger without the bun yeah. and have veggies. Yeah. And split some chips, whatever, you know, again, I like, I always tell my clients in the first session that we are not heading out on a tightrope over the Grand Canyon. Yeah. No, we are on solid ground just because you pass Sonic today there. You are an empowered adult. If you decide it's truly worth it on a scale of one to 10, you know what? Today it is worth it to go to Sonic mm-hmm. and have a drink. I'm going to enjoy every sip of that. I'm going to have no regrets. I'm not going to be flummoxed when I have a little inflammation or some sugar cravings later, but it's no big deal. Because everything else is, yeah, is kind of supporting me right. into a good space. It's, I've yeah. made it. It's, it's the difference between being compelled towards something because mm-hmm. your nervous system is feeling desperate yeah. or making a, a calm, conscious choice and truly enjoying the experience. Like you could have the exact same brownie Sunday. One of them is nourishing. One of them is damaging and is breaking trust with you. Yeah. Because you've just rationalized and made excuses and you've wolfed it down and now you feel ashamed. Right. That's it's a different energy, different forethought. Oh my gosh. It's a whole different thing. And in the latter scenario, you're likely to go, eat a bunch more nonsense, yeah. you know, versus that truly special dessert. Like you say, like, like your grandmother made, or you go to a fancy restaurant. Oh my gosh, that is a celebration of life Yeah, to eat, you know, this indulgent food and to just savor every mouthful. And in that scenario, you're able to actually put your fork down once you've had the experience. You know, maybe you got three quarters through the creme brulee and you're like, oh my gosh, that was incredible. I'm satisfied, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't have that driving need to finish the whole thing, which you will have if you have this chronic history of restriction or impending restriction. Yes. Oh, you better bet you're going to finish that creme brulee and lick the plate. Maybe order another, but. (laughs) Right. And that's all you're going to think about the entire time. You're not leaning into the experience. So this is where we have to, to me, again, this is about growing up. Right. And understanding that the the all in quest for perfection, it's totally holding you back. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like setting gentle boundaries with ourselves where it's like, I like to think of it as like, I want to have a percentage and obviously I don't calculate any of this. I don't actually track things and calculate it, but overall I try to keep in my, my brain, like overall, I'm mostly nourishing myself with the foods I Mm -hmm. eat and the percentage Mm -hmm. of like what I put into myself as like as healthy nourishing foods. And then I have flexibility and Mm -hmm. space to go out with friends, have a drink, um, eat, the dang muffin, which is kind of a funny joke between me and a friend, but, um, but just like having those moments of like, if you're really craving and wanting something that's from a, like just genuine, I'm going to enjoy this 
plate. And it's worth it. Do it. Yeah. And it's, it's something it. that's worth it. It's yeah. not just garbage food. Well, I was off your kid's plate to or give something. It, to give it some context, she had ordered like muffins that were really dense, trying mm-hmm. to make them fit her macros, and she hated them. And I was like, you know what? You are so good about like being on it. Like, what do you mean all dense? Like the they're time. high protein muffins or something? I don't know what was it. Okay. I don't know. They must have been like There's fiber some hel- or something. Oh, okay. They were like okay. healthy mu- muffins because okay. she was really craving a muffin. I was like, you know what? I think you have everything in your life so down to the point and and like you know. And obviously, oh, yeah. we all have our different ways there. of it's measuring exhausting. that. But I told her I was like at one point I was like eat the dang muffin, and, and mm-hmm. she sent me a, a picture later. She's like, I ate the muffin, and she was yeah. like, I'm glad I did. And I was yeah. like, thank you. No, like, it's you know, awesome. we, and that's, but, and that's but yeah, it's also being willing to not eat the muffin. If but I'll tell you, I, I don't believe we can get to this place of not eating the thing until our nervous system trusts us that we're going to get our needs met. Yeah. I really don't think we can get there. I know yeah. I wouldn't have been able to say no to something when my nervous system was just on fire mm. that I don't know that I'm going to get my needs met later. Yeah. Right. I know for so many years, just the slightest sense of hunger felt like an absolute three alarm fire. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like, okay, I'm, and I would use this terminology. I'm just going to grab something. The word grab, I feel like that is a red flag. <laughs> when I hear that come up from people, <laughs> like I'm I just, gonna I'm it. just going to run and grab something. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you use that language, just, Listen to it and see what kind of choices come right. out of that, mm-hmm. right? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to run and grab things now. I mean, I can be hungry and just, okay, yeah, I'm a little bit hungry and I'll be home in half an hour, 45 minutes, and I'm going to eat a really good meal when I get there. Yeah. You know, truly satisfying. This isn't about trying to keep myself hungry. Right. But I couldn't have have made these better choices of, you know, that you have food at home talk with myself. I, this was not an overnight process. So, okay, what are some interim options? Can you sit in the friction of, okay, I'm going to stop, but I'm going to get a banana and some jerky mm-hmm. versus driving through the Chick-fil-A drive through Yeah. And, you know, getting something. Again, it, there, there is always going to be friction around making a slightly more nourishing choice when you have a history of restriction. Yeah. Is that correct? I mean, you're the expert yeah. on the... Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think I have to just kind of... It has to be context of the person that I'm sure. working with. Good. I think yeah, for most people, that's true. Uh-huh. And then I think of, of people who have really actually struggled with like more like ongoing restrictive stuff where they really stru- struggle with like making any type of different choice, whether oh, okay. and have like more Good of point. the obsessive compulsive sure. part of sure. that. Um it's a little different, sure. but there's other people where no, they flexibility, kind of, flexibility, yeah. yeah, and again, mm-hmm. I think it really is learning, it's a practice, but it's learning to be a little bit objective about our patterns and our default thoughts about our choices, Yeah. right? Do I feel like this would be a crisis if I did eat something that was off plan, right? Right. If it feels like you've committed a federal crime, <laughs> if you eat something, right. then you know, it's okay. That's an invitation of something to look at, but so much of this is about being able to slow down our choices and make a little more conscious, avoiding drama. Right. And understanding why not using the word starvation. Like I'm not, you know, we're not starving. 
and right? And instead true. of saying, oh my gosh, I'm just starving. I'm going to run and grab something. <laughs> right? Okay, well, I, my guess is that's not going to be a salad. Yeah. Whatever that is, right? Yeah, I mean, probably. of course, I'm generalizing here. Yeah. But just noticing our narrative and our language and nothing's going to be different in our life until we decide to kind of take the reins, have a little bit of a sense of humor. Yeah. And let ourselves be imperfect along the way. Be imperfect, but literally grow out of the need to seek the next latest and greatest plan, the quick fix, fat burner or shake or whatever. We've got to grow up and say, no, it's one choice to the next choice, to the next choice. None of them have to be perfect. Oh my gosh, our bodies do not require perfection in order to be healthy. We are resilient. Yes. Right? We are resilient. Thank goodness for that, for the abuse I've given my body over the years. It's so true. And it's such a blessing because, yeah, we don't have to be. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think there's only very few and far between medical reasons that people need to be super rigid with how they eat. For sure. And I do work with those people as well, for sure. That's that's a difficult thing, a difficult battle that, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of people don't talk about and a lot of people struggle with that. So. Um, that's, I want to honor that because that is a real, real thing. And, um, and you know, outside of that, we, most of us are very fortunate Mm -hmm. to have really resilient bodies where it's like, what are you doing for most of the time? Mm -hmm. And I think that we're just kind of in disassociation that our normal culture of eating is, is not like, it's like not health promoting. No. And it's like the most of the time we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think we're kind of in denial about it. Right. For sure. So it is being willing to sit in the nuance and the shades of gray and say, does this represent an improvement for me? What's one small shift that I could make that would be me, you know, fostering trust, putting a marble in that jar with myself. And again, I'm not, if I do make a choice that later, if I'm honest, that probably wasn't, didn't serve me as well. I'm not, I don't need a fainting couch. Right. I, again, I, I'm not going to derail the rest of my day or throw a temper tantrum because, oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. Look at me. I I fail everything. I always screw this up. No, Mm -mm. literally I had a cookie. Yeah. (laughs) Like take a deep breath. Right. But we, and again, we cannot start to make improvements until we let go of some of that internal drama because we do hide in drama. Once we've created drama around a quote unquote mistake, then we are going to perpetuate that because we're not getting curious about, okay, was I stressed? Was I tired? Did I miss lunch? Yeah. Like and what led to me making that choice I don't feel good about? We have to be scientists in our own life instead of, you know, kind of feeding that inner drama queen. Yeah. And even sometimes that work entails understanding why we curate drama in our lives totally. in general, right? And totally. that might be the next thing that you work on outside of that. But acknowledging that we do it is a huge step. And, and I think we all do it. Like, you know, I've said Amen. many times, you know, and yeah. on this podcast that I always thought of myself as someone who was just completely non-dramatic because I, you know, I didn't gossip or anything like that. But then I got real clear that inside my own head, I was absolutely manufacturing it in the lab from scratch, yeah. from nothing. Yeah. So, and it wasn't, ma- the, the key point here is it wasn't making my life better. Yeah. That's the key point. When it wasn't coming from our healthy self, like it wasn't coming no, from a point. true authentic, 
authentic place right. and serving us, right? right. So it, ultimately, right. that yeah, that was the sure. problem. So, so we're going to wrap this up, but your living experiment is to practice slowing down your choices, maybe identify one or two small improvements that realistically you could be consistent with in the week ahead and kind of track that for yourself and see what shifts. And again, this is about building that sense of self-efficacy and sense of trust with yourself. Yeah, you may see some changes to, you know, your mental clarity or whatever, you know, again, whether it's going to bed a little bit earlier, not staying up and watching that extra episode, maybe it's drinking more water instead of something else. You know, again, your your default thought is going to be, well, what difference could that make? How about try it? Yeah. Just try it and yeah. see. And again, stop undervaluing the small shifts that are actually sustainable for you and stop overvaluing these grandiose plans that just send us into the shame spiral of doom. Right. And that are just like, again, I think of just being like good with good enough and figuring out what that is for ourselves. Right. That's at least the language I have to use because I, like I struggle so much with perfectionism when right. I'm stressed out that it's right. like, it's just got to be good enough. It does. And again, good enough for you. What yes. works, doesn't work, seems to work for other people, literally has nothing to do with you yes. and or this is, me. And this is another nothing. huge eyes on your own plate kind of thing yep. because our culture says extreme, right? So when if people make comments that you're not doing enough or they might discount what you're doing if you're doing it a certain way and very intentionally and slowly, mm-hmm. you know, eyes on your own plate. This yeah. is my life. This yeah. is how I you know, build trust and momentum with yourself. If it doesn't feel hard, you're more yeah. likely to stick with it. I've had so many clients say, I feel like this should feel harder. I don't know how I'm making progress because this doesn't feel hard. And Change that story, right? We kind of laugh <laughs> yeah. about it, but yeah. it's like, yeah, that's why you're still doing it 14 weeks in. How many exactly. other things have you been able to stick with? Like, Stop telling yourself the story. It has to be hard no. to be good. Exactly. Yeah. Or to, or feel, to, to feel good yeah. and to create trust with ourselves and to build momentum and honestly to start, this bleeds over into every aspect of our life. Amen. That sense of trust that, oh my gosh, look at me doing the thing I told myself I would do. Like, I don't make promises to myself anymore that I can't realistically keep. That's good. I don't do that anymore because yeah. that I sometimes feel good. do and then I catch myself and I'm like, all right, Miss Seven Perfectionist, let's get back yeah. into reality land. Yeah. So like no, I good. do sometimes, but I overall my life is completely different because mm-hmm. I don't move forward with those plans. Yeah. yeah I catch good. myself and I'm like, yeah. what are Focus you trying to do right now? Process, <laughs> not the outcomes. The outcomes will take care of themselves as a, a gentle side effect. Yeah. of the non-overwhelming small process changes that you're making. And again, we're going to encourage you to experiment with this and not just listen to this and go, that sounds like a really neat idea. No, pick something. Yeah. Today, I don't care what it is, small. whether it's with your finances, your sleep, Something whatever. next hour. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, make it small, but write it down and do it every day. Yes. So, And we'd love to hear what you come up with. Yeah, yeah. talk with us. We love your feedback. Yeah, be nice to yourselves, and we'll talk soon. We'll talk later.